Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about the business of sports. I'm Joe Favorito, along with my Telephonics co-host today, Tom Richardson. Tom, how's things? Uh, things are great, Joe, and um, it's good to be doing a, uh, another show on the phone because it's, it's a practice we need to perfect. Uh, these are a lot uh, trickier than the in-person ones, but I think... Uh, We've got a good discussion lined up for today, so uh, we'll pull it off, but it's good to practice. Very true. So as the listeners to our podcast know from time to time, we love to have our Columbia students on, not only to hear what they're doing, but also to kind of get their take on the industry. And today we're going to be joined by one of our current students, Liz Morovic. Liz is a hockey aficionado now, lives originally from New Jersey, has been in our program throughout the course of the year and has c- come into and really developed a relationship arguably with one of the most respected journalists in hockey and also, Liz, I guess you can talk about this at some point, about the New York City subway, too, in Stan Fischler. Um, so, Liz, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. So why don't you talk about a little bit about, before we get into the Fischler Report, what it is, um, you know, your recent experience with the Stanley Cup playoffs, recently finished with the Penguins winning the Cup, and your kind of brush with fame during some of the, with some of the Penguins during the playoffs. Um, but tell us a little bit about you. How did you get into the program? You know, what were you looking for? And then what was kind of the, the pretty quick path that led you to the Fischler Report and really kind of the side of journalism in the NHL that, that you may not have been involved with when you first started? So I'll start by saying I was always driven by bringing people together. And both of my parents uh, came to the United States from the former Soviet Union uh, in the early 1980s. And I was inspired by their story uh, of immigration. And I think it led me into an interest in politics and in foreign affairs particularly. So uh, when I began my undergrad at Boston University, I knew right away I wanted to study international relations and sociology, which is exactly what I did. And uh, while I was at Boston University, uh, actually our first year, uh, my first year there rather, in 2009, uh, the Boston University men's ice hockey team won the NCAA championship. So given that we didn't have a football team, I was very interested in the hockey scene, as most of you students always are, with our biggest competitor being Boston College. Um, we had a lot of fun going to hockey games, and, of course, we got free tickets, so it was, it was a thing to do. And, again, a Serena being the you know, great uh, rank that it is, it was always a really, really good time. So I really developed a love for hockey in college, and I just sort of had it as one of my pastimes. Never really thought of it as a career path back then, but things change, as they say. Uh, when I graduated, I, uh, I really wanted to be a diplomat. I wanted to go into a life of uh, foreign service, and I started off uh, going abroad, and I worked uh, in a government fellowship in Israel, in Jerusalem, and studied the Middle East conflict, and I uh, pretty much decided after I came home that it wasn't really for me. I spent another year working at a nonprofit organization, doing some high-level consulting with, uh, with think tank representatives, congressmen, uh, senators, uh, traveling to D.C. And, uh, and working out of New York. And, you know, after some time, it just, it really, it really started to drain me. 
And I decided to go back and reflect uh, what is it that I'm really passionate about. And again, it's bringing people together. And I thought, what is another platform where I could do this? And I grew up with, with a sports fanatic being my father uh, who used to listen to an illegal radio in the former Soviet Union and listen to Nick's highlights. And that was his vision of freedom, that getting out of the former Soviet Union meant that one day he would be able to go to Madison Square Garden and actually watch the Knicks play. And so when he would come home from work and I was a kid, we would sit down, we would, we would watch Knicks games. Of course, there's a lot of Russians in hockey, so my dad was always a Rangers fan, particularly the 1994 team where we had a, where we had a few Russians uh, who won the Stanley Cup with the Rangers. And so I really got into it there. And, and as it dawned on me, I realized I could really bring people together in sports and I can utilize the skills that I have uh, to, really, uh, to really create good um, in this field where you, you have people who come together and after competitive matches, they, they still shake hands at the end of the day. And I, I love actually the image uh, that you always see in hockey games where the two teams, particularly after a, a you know, grueling playoff series, both teams come together, everybody shakes hands, and everybody congratulates one another. And I think that's one image that always touches me uh, in, in, a very, in a very effective way. Um, so that's how I ended up uh, joining the program. I decided that I wanted to do a – 180 uh, and, and transition careers, and I, I found the Columbia program. It was, always, it was always my dream to go to Columbia, so this was the perfect uh, program for me. And I applied, and I got in, and I started last September. And my first semester, I actually took your class, Joe. So mm-hmm. it, was a, it, was a good, it was a good welcome to, uh, to the program, and I learned a lot, uh, particularly in your class, uh, about PR and communications. And here I am now. I, I got my internship for Stan uh, January 25th. I started with him. And I was introduced to him uh, through a friend of a friend. So it's, as they say, all about networking. And uh, that's how I, that's how I uh, reached Stan. And we spoke on the phone. Uh, we, he, uh, he invited me to come in. And we had a meeting. And he hired me. So Stan is old school like that. He doesn't really mm-hmm. care for, for paperwork, you know, send me your resume, send me your cover letter, nothing like that. He wants to know the person uh, for who they are, and he, he invites everybody and gives everybody a chance. And if he likes what he sees, then he says, come on board. And, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, you, he parts ways with his interns. If it does, then, then they stay on, and they, I think, help them in, in major ways. Now, what was the nature of the work when, when, that first, when you first got connected to him? What was he looking for? Well, we kind of tailored it to my interests as well as to what he needed. So one of the things that he needed was someone to help him with interviews. So he's got interviews lined up one after another. I mean, he gets bogged down with phone calls and emails asking him to, to write uh, features Uh, and different interviews on people in the industry, um, as well as, you know, alumni and Hall of Famers and executives and other people. And and so actually my second week with Stan, we ended up going to NHL headquarters where we interviewed one of Stan's former interns. Uh, Her name is Jessica Berman, and she's a a 10-and-a-half-year veteran in the league's executive office. So uh, mm-hmm. after, she moved, uh, sh- after she moved from her role as deputy general counsel, 
she's now uh, the VP of Special Projects and Corporate Social Responsibility. So we interviewed her for Stan's Brooklyn Beat series, and then I transcribed the, in, the interview, and I wrote up a, uh, a feature for Stan's newsletter, The Fishler Report. Wow, so, that's so, cool. So for people that don't know, um, just a quick background. Stan Fishler taught me at Fordham University journalism in 1984. So he's known as the hockey maven. He's been around the game almost – you know, at least over 50 years, a veteran not just in New York, but known throughout North America and the world as one of the foremost authorities on hockey and also Liz, I don't know how much you got into it with Stan, but the subway as well. He's a New York subway historian. So he is as, as born and bred, died in the wool, New Yorker as anybody will ever see. He's probably you know, in his 80s, going on 35, literally, I passed him <laughs> on Broadway, you know, in January on a cold day as he was, and he looked like he had looked, uh, you know, in 1984, and he, he first he goes, kid, how you doing? And then he remembered what my name was right away, remembered something that we talked about in the class, and we talked for about 15 minutes, and on he went, of course, onto the subway as he gets around New York, and that's part of what he does. And the Fischler Report, and over the years, uh, people would get involved with Stan, and they became known, and Liz has probably heard this, as the Fischlerettes, because there is a legion of interns that Stan brings on, and literally, and one of the great things about our program is you're getting thrown into something, and you sink or you swim, and if you have an ability and you want to learn, you probably can't learn more about journalism, and especially hockey, than you can from Stan Fischler. The last thing I'll say about Stan is, and Liz touched on it, is, He's a little bit old school to the point where my guess is there's probably a couple of typewriters still sit, sitting around Stan's apartment <laughs> where he has everybody come in on the Upper West Side. Uh, and a lot of it is done, and I mentioned this to Liz because she's written some pretty cool things, is, okay, where can you get them? And she's have to send around like a PDF of something because Stan's <laughs> stuff is not exactly as mobile-friendly mm -hmm. as you would think, but it's coming now into the new world. So all that being said um, – Liz, you want to touch a little bit upon some of the experiences that you've had and you've picked up that you were both surprised with uh, since you started working for Stan and, you know, kind of walk us through some of the things uh, you touch on some of the things you've done, but your experience in the playoffs and also, you know, you're going to stay with this. So where do you think this is going to lead you now? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, there's so much to say on that, but I'll start by saying, you know, Stan is an extraordinary human being. Stan still rides his bike. Stan goes, to power walk in Riverside Park every single day. Stan is in great shape. He's, he's funnier than ever. He tells everybody he meets a joke. And he's, he's, just, he's just so unique. There's no one like him. And having established this great working relationship with him has meant the world to me. And I know that no matter what, even if I'm working for him or not, I will definitely be in touch with him because he's just that kind of guy. He'll pick up your phone call. He'll talk to you. He'll, he'll ask you, you know, how you're doing. He'll tell you about how he's doing. He's really genuinely a loving and caring person for everybody around him. Uh, and just to tell you a little bit about the subway, I, I actually received a beautiful gift for him last week. He gave me a book that he wrote called The Subway and the City, uh, which celebrated a century of the subway. And it's a stunning, beautiful, big book. I had to, I had to haul it back to Brooklyn, uh, to my apartment, 
with all my stuff, but it was so worth it. He wrote such a lovely note um, in, inside the book and signed it for me. And, and I, I'm still, uh, you know, not that well versed on the subway, but eventually when I read the book, I think I will be for now. I'm trying to focus a little bit on hockey. So mm-hmm. to get back to, to get back to my, some of the cool experiences that I've had. Well, so I, uh, I meet a lot of very interesting people. So Stan has an amazing network of people who he's worked with over the years, like he said, and the type of access and experience you get working with Stan is unparalleled because the red carpet is always rolled out for him and having the ability to follow him through the doors he walks through is really something else. Uh, He's, you know, he's always down by the ice. So whichever intern is with him gets to go down to the ice with him and take notes and analyze the game. And then, and then help him when he writes up his columns. Uh, actually, the last regular season game that the Rangers had at the Garden, they played the Penguins. And uh, I, I met Linda Cohen from ESPN, and I was hanging out with her after the game. And we were sort of standing around in the holding area at the Garden behind the ice. And uh, all of a sudden, we turn around and we see Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby are just standing around. They have nothing to do. They're not talking to anybody. And they're just standing there in their suits. Uh, they were both being rested, so they both sat out of the game, so they were just waiting for their teammates in the locker room. Uh, the post-game interviews had already ended, and we, just, we had just come out. And so we came up to them and spoke to them as if they were, you know, just, you know, regular old people on the street, uh, even though clearly they are not, and they are Stanley Cup champions and, and rightfully earned. Um, so it was really exciting to see them win the Stanley Cup, especially because I got to speak to them, and... Stan actually quoted my conversation in his MSG Network's uh, Met Musings uh, blog, and uh, it was a really it was a really great um, feature that he that he wrote up about talking to uh, Evgeny Malkin. And so, you know, watching the Penguins get to the Stanley Cup is is amazing because another caveat is, uh, is that Nick Benino won the NCAA championship with Boston University when I was a freshman. So I'm really proud of him for how far he's gotten. So even though I'm a Rangers fan, I think when you work this close to, you know, all the teams in a way, you, you sort of become, you, you, you begin to love them all. You begin to, to really um, root for the referees as, uh, as Jessica Berman would say, because you just, you don't mm-hmm. want to be biased and you see the extraordinary talent, the amazing athleticism, and you're really there because you love the thrill, you love the pace, you love the environment. And then the teams and, and that just kind of falls away. You don't, you, you become less of a fan and you become more embedded in what this league is as a whole. So Liz, I've got a question for you because it's, it's, it really is a great story. Uh, what an amazing experience you're having, but from a business standpoint, how, with his old school and uh, quite charming and successful approach to his work, how, how does he translate all that, or how, how has he been translating that into the new media landscape that dominates our, our communications world right now? How are, we know many of his followers and fans have changed their consumption habits on media, so what, what are you guys doing to address that? So Stan is actually pretty active on Twitter. Uh, he's got, okay. I think, a little over 26,000 followers, and he tweets very regularly. And he engages and he does with it, Twitter. And he does it personally? Yes, he does. 
sometimes okay. he'll have his interns. Sometimes if he's if he needs to do like a like a quick tweet, he'll have uh, one of the interns write a tweet for him, and he's doing something else. But otherwise, yes, he definitely does it all on his own, which is really cool to see because Stan is 85 years old, and and yeah, he's right. got 20, 20, 26.4 k uh, followers, and one you of the things actually. <laughs> yeah. But, one but of the by the way, before Liz goes on, Stan doesn't follow anybody, right? I mean, that's his other thing. He, he loves so one of those guys. Follows, yeah. okay. so. He follows 89 people or 89 yeah. pages, and he he does retweet. Okay. So, <laughs> um, anyway, w- one of the things uh, that the interns and I are working on this summer is we are putting together. Um, we're trying to work on his personal website, and we're trying to work a little bit on uh, on marketing his newsletter, and we're trying to get him exactly you know exactly where you say like you know the business is going. We're trying to get him to become a little bit more. Um, technologically savvy. So we want to get all of his archives together. We want to get all of his amazing photos and he keeps everything. So he has so much great stuff that we can use that we can um, put online. And so we're putting all of that together and we want to make his personal website because he's got, I would say definitely over 50 books that I think Mm -hmm. he could still keep selling. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can't, I don't even, he's got so many books I've, I've lost count and he's got a lot of great books um, that he uses as references that I think some of that information should also be published. Um, and that's one of the beauties I think of working with Stan is we get to use his books that he wrote years ago to write stories that he publishes today. And I've gotten to practice my writing and public speaking with him and he's always correcting the way I talk because he thinks I sound too much like a millennial <laughs> using slang and, and saying using, and saying the word like all the time. So he always corrects me, but we laugh about it. And uh, exactly. So like you said before, the NHL is 100 years old this year, and Stan's been doing a special feature for NHL called uh, Stan's Scrapbook. And so we open up his old books. We open up some of, uh, some of the other references he has and that he's collected over the years, and we find quotes and ideas, and then we compile the information, and we sit down and we write. So some of, the, um, some of the stories that we've written are about the longest game ever played between the Blue Shirts and the, and the Americans. Um, another one we wrote was about uh, Bill Chadwick, the one-eyed referee. Oof, uh, the big wrote, whistle. Yeah, the big whistle. We wrote um, about the Rangers and their special liquid concoction, uh, the three fastest goals, and Mozienko, the worst NHL goalie during wartime, Steve Bozinski. So we, we open up all of his books, and, and I learned so much about hockey history. So it's, it's so rich and so fascinating, and it's so perfectly captured and preserved in Stan's books. And so we definitely want to share that more with the world, and getting him up and running with a website is one of those ways that we're going to do that. So Liz, talk about one of the things you talked about uh, when you were kind of telling us your story was your interest in, in community. Um, how has some of the pieces that you've learned in some of the other classes uh, at Columbia and now your experience being around one of the more community-friendly professional sports leagues in the NHL, um, what have you learned from that? How is it going to grow? And then how do you kind of – how do you think you're going to take that forward um, especially if you want to stay involved in hockey. Is that, is that another path? And what's kind of that path going to look like for you right now, do you think? Okay, so about staying and working for the NHL, I think one of the great things about the NHL is it's becoming increasingly more progressive. 
So although it's one of the older leagues and it does things a very particular way, um, I, I think that the leadership now really has a vision for the NHL, and that's a vision I can align with. So uh, particularly the Corporate Social Responsibility Department, which Jessica Berman heads, uh, they have been working on so many different projects, getting a lot of the players involved in community outreach and community service. They had a great uh, partnership with You Can Play this past season, uh, and they, they had a campaign called Hockey is for Everyone. So it was about being inclusive and uh, about um, having, uh, giving everybody the ability to contribute to hockey in a meaningful way. So it was about uh, combating homophobia and, uh, and gender stereotypes and things like that. So a few of the things that they did uh, to raise awareness uh, was they – covered their some of the players covered their sticks in rainbow tape and some of the players became ambassadors for the you can play initiative and there were a lot of different events that were going on around the league during that um during that campaign uh they have um different campaigns for autism and for cancer patients and i think they're doing a pretty incredible job considering that they are probably one of the smallest leagues that we have um and although they're not the most popular, I think they will absolutely be growing in popularity in the years to come. And with the addition of their team in Las Vegas with the Golden Knights and the expansion that they're experiencing, I think it will really uh, grow the league in a great way. And, and that's something that I foresee myself being a part of. And I'm actually going to Vegas next week for the NHL awards and for the expansion draft. So I'm going to get to see uh, the unveiling of the Golden Knights roster and uh, the awards ceremony. And hopefully it'll be a good chance for me to network and see what other opportunities there are uh, within the league confines. The value of showing up, as Tom and I always talk about, and probably no better place to show up than Las Vegas at some point. But, um, you know, Liz, you touched on one other thing that I wanted to, to raise. Uh, and obviously for anyone listening to this, they can tell that you certainly uh, – or one who's not to shy away from opportunities and, and kind of go out and find your niche. Um, but hockey can be a little bit more of a, an all-boys club, an all-boys club, as, as are most professional sports. Uh, and, and for anyone who's listened to our podcasts, they know that Tom and I are always looking for how to promote uh, different groups, whether it's women or minorities, and find new voices. Um, how is your work in hockey so far, especially being around someone as old school as Stan, um, helped you kind of push ahead? And have you had the opportunity now looking at it saying, hey, I just want to be a professional working in hockey as opposed to a woman working in hockey. But have you thought about yourself as a trailblazer going forward? Uh, that's a good question. I, I would say I always hope to be a trailblazer in anything that I do. I always want to set a good example and I always want to inspire others regardless of whether I'm doing something large or doing something small. I think every thing that you do matters. Every move counts. And for me, I would love to inspire more women to join the industry and particularly to join hockey. I think that without women, uh, these leagues suffer a great deal because I think women bring an edge to the work environment and in sports in particular and come with, with bright ideas and a really fresh perspective. 
So I, I look at Jessica Berman, who I've mentioned many times, uh, you know, in our conversation, and she really is an inspiration and a trailblazer. Another woman I look at is, uh, is Meredith Wolf, who uh, is a lawyer that, um, that went into philanthropy herself and uh, be- became a consultant uh, for athlete foundations. And she started Henrik Lundqvist Foundation, which I think is one of the most successful foundations out there uh, in terms of athlete foundations. They're doing amazing work. And without her, none of that would have been possible. And she's, she's a, real, a real strong woman who is, I, I think, definitely pioneering the world of athlete philanthropy. And it was so nice to find her and to reach out to her. And I, I, I cold emailed her and I told her, I really want to meet you and want to talk to you. And she responded eventually, and we met, and it was one of the best meetings I've ever had because I aligned so much with her thinking and with the way that she does things. And I look at the path that she's taken, and it definitely gives me an idea of where I want to go. So there are definitely spaces for women in this field, and I hope to to carve them out for as many women as possible, for sure. And hockey is one of those sports that women can play just as well, if not better, than men can. And I see how far women's hockey has come and how much it's grown in popularity, and it's, it's really amazing. Phil Kessel, who's a Stanley Cup champion right now, yep. his sister plays hockey. And Amanda, she's, she's on, the, on, she's on the, the team that won the world championships. And, by the way, exactly. she lives in Jersey City. So. Yep, exactly. So, so I, you know, I watch her and I see what she's been able to do, and you've got this amazing sister brother duo. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So I love, I love how, you know, you know, you can easily, you can easily bring genders together. I I was in Toronto with, uh, with some friends and we were watching um, their kids. They have a daughter, a small daughter play hockey and she plays on a team with boys and girls. And that's what they do when they're young. And I don't see why that can't be possible, you know, as, you know, as these young athletes get older, I think that it's, it's easy to to play against each other. Why not? That's great, Liz. Um, we're going to start wrapping it up, but um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, which we didn't really touch on, is that you've now been in the program since last September, the Columbia program. Uh, just to clarify what program I was talking about. But, um, <laughs> right. Good, good clarification. Yes, yeah, you know, always have to do that. But um, – what, what some of the things when you started to now, just real briefly, what are some of the classes that you've taken and some of the best practices um, that you've been able to kind of cull out of that, not just for your internship with the Fischler Report, but also for the, the overall, uh, your overall learning experience in terms of business? Sure. So I took uh, a class last semester called the Science of Fandom with Vince, who's the program director, and it was the inaugural class. Uh, that he was holding, and I really enjoyed that class because it examined the sociological and psychological drivers behind uh, the way that fans think and act. And I think that was very interesting to my knowledge about, you know, sports in general, but going forward, how that could be applicable to business in sports. Uh, I think that fans are are an integral part of sports, and without fans, you really can't have a league that's that's up and running. So Vince really took us into a lot of interesting conversations, uh, and especially with a lot of very interesting people that he brought on. Um, 
and we learned uh, the sort of details uh, behind the way that fans, uh, you know, the way that fans are motivated and what's behind uh, the way that they purchase and what's behind um, everything, everything that had to do with the fan. It was really, it was really um, a, a great perspective that he shared with us. We started by learning about the Cubs fandom and that's kind of how we went through the semester. Um, beyond that, of course, your class, uh, the PR and communications class was a really good one for me. And I loved learning about, uh, about the media from the perspective that you, that you showed it from uh, and the different papers that we wrote uh, were really helpful. And particularly, I think Neil Pilson's class, the leadership class was very helpful to me as well. Uh, I, I wrote a really great paper with, uh, with two partners on the World Baseball Classic that uh, Professor Pilsen actually sent to the COO of the MLB because he liked it so much. And uh, I, I learned after two semesters how to write better. I mean, he had us writing, Professor Pilsen had us writing um, papers that were limited to 300 words each. So it really helped me to be concise and to the point and choose my words wisely. So that's one thing I think one, one theme that's continued in my internship and in my classes is always choose your words wisely. Uh, you never know who's going to read them or who's listening. And you always want to sound the best way that you possibly can. Uh, you want to say things correctly and you want to be eloquent and, and express yourself in the right manner. So think that's been one theme. Another thing I've learned, certainly, especially with our networking events that the programs put on, is how to listen and how to learn from people that are speaking to you and how to quickly be able to respond and to lead in the conversation to get what you want out of it. Um, some, some of the events, actually one, one event in particular that I really liked was the elevator pitch event. So we had to prepare and write our elevator pitches and we had to uh, pitch uh, different industry professionals and executives. And that was very helpful. And getting their feedback was very helpful. And sitting around the table with, with my peers um, put a little bit of extra pressure on. But that's exactly what I think you need to learn going into the business world. We give so many presentations in this program. And I'm getting better and better at presenting. I'm getting better and better at standing in front of an audience and speaking to them. Um, one of the most uh, interesting classes as well that I took was uh, sponsorships and sales with Michael Newman. So we worked the entire semester, uh, myself and one group on one project, and we were selling a naming rights deal. And at the end, uh, executives actually came and listened to us, and we had to sell a naming rights deal for um, NYCFC. And that was a great project because we, we took it from, from – pretty much uh, square one to the very end all throughout the semester. And it was great to see our project come to life and actually to stand in front of a really important audience and present was a really good experience for me. That's great. And Joe, you probably knew that I was smiling when Liz was, was talking about the, the writing skills that she was honing mm -hmm. with Neil Pilsen. So uh, as Neil and I are fellow alum, alumni of Hamilton College, we're writing a sacrosanct, and it's something that I emphasize quite strongly with everybody I'm doing, especially the point Liz made about efficiency. So Liz, uh, for, um, that's terrific. Thank you for all that. Uh, a couple of last short questions, and we'll wrap. Um, 
Howard, beyond the classroom and these events, and we're, we're glad to hear that you see so much value in both of those uh, areas of the program, just, but, but in, in terms of your day-to-day uh, flow through the world of media and communications, how are you keeping up with everything that's germane to you and in, in, with the business you're doing and the business that you aspire to, to get into? So pretty much I would say I spend a bulk of my time on Twitter and on Instagram following the accounts that are important to me, especially when I need news very quickly uh, and I need it right away. I get it, and I get notifications, and I know what's going on um, when I need to know what's going on because sometimes I need to report back to Stan and tell him, hey, Stan, guess what happened? Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, we need to write a story about that right now. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's great to have access um, because of these great um, apps as well as, you know, the NHL app is really good too. I've been using it. I used it all throughout the season, and I'm still using it now, and it gives me a lot of news. It gives me statistics. Uh, when Stan asks me questions about, you know, how, much, how many goals did that player score or, or what, were, you know, what were his stats, I could quickly access it through the NHL app, so it's a really big help. Um, I would say that I read uh, Forbes. I read the Wall Street Journal, and um, – I read a couple of different people. I would say Alan Crada from the New York Times is, is one of my go-tos. Um, and I sort of just, I, 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 keep, my, I keep my mind open um, about, you know, where I, where I go for news. But typically, you know, I, I just, I surf and Twitter helps with that. And it's, it's all yeah. the things that I need to see all in one place. So yeah. it's very helpful. I wasn't into Twitter as much before I got into this program, but now I'm definitely into it more, and I've been, I've been using LinkedIn uh, more as a tool as well. And mm-hmm. I see that a lot of my peers are posting really interesting information as well, so that helps too. Um, and so I would say that those are pretty much my go-tos right now. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good answer. I mean, I think as Joe and I always discuss – among ourselves and, and in the classroom and even with other podcast guests, you know, in, the, in this era of feed-based media, you choose the smart people, smart companies, smart thinkers you need to hear from and let them feed it to you, you know, <laughs> during your waking hours on your mobile phone. Uh, and Twitter is the best uh, expression of that. So as long as you can keep that, uh, that feed high-value, focus on high-value content, it's extremely um, it's extremely important as a way to stay smart. So, so that's a good answer. Um, and so last but not least, um, any, based on your experiences with Stan and your networking within the industry and your, and your, you know, your, your thoughts about where you want to go in the industry, uh, is there, have you learned any lessons in the last year or so, particularly after you've kind of started making this transition to sports, um, about, um, career advice you might want to share if you were sitting around with your friends and, and you were helping each other out with, with their, uh, their respective journeys? Any, any, any insights that you've, uh, you've made in the last year or so? Certainly. So I actually gave a presentation at my high school for career day, and I, I gave a lot of career advice, uh, some of which I actually pulled from some of the speakers that we've heard from. We heard from David Stern, and we heard from uh, – from Ezra Kuchar's in your class, Joe, and we heard from so many people that give such good career advice. 
And, you know, one of the things that I've already touched on, but I'll say again, is definitely listen twice more than you speak. Um, I think that learning is such an important part of this journey. And, and you know, you never want to be the most important person in the room. That's another so very important advice. Just now. <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. Yep, you yeah. never – you yeah. never want to act like the most important person in the room. And I think that's a really big lesson uh, for me particularly. I think that because I'm very bold and opinionated, a lot of people sometimes think that comes off as arrogance when, of course, that's not my intention. But um, that's why I think for me it's been important to really listen more, uh, listen more, talk less, and be able to construct my responses more methodically. So when – people ask me questions and when it is my turn to speak, I'm able to answer, like I said, in the best way that I could. Um, I think I, I don't, I don't do well when I listen to people who are too vague or answer questions too broadly. So they don't really answer the question at all. And that doesn't really help anybody understand anything. So I've learned to really be more methodical. And one of the things that I'm still learning, and I think it's a work in progress is time management. This is such a fast field. And uh, we definitely touched on time management in, in the leadership class with, uh, with, with Professor Pilsen, which I thought was a really good class um, because we really went through all of the different facets of leadership and what it takes to be a leader. And so time management is still one that I'm working on because there's so much to do all the time, so many events to go to, so many commitments, and so many, like you said, things to show up to. Um, you have to choose. You have to choose what works for you and where you want to be at what time. Um, so I, I, I think that all of these uh, lessons that I'm learning hopefully will come together and I'll find myself um, in, a, in a career that I'll be proud to have made it to because of this program, because this program is giving me the tools to succeed uh, in, a, in a really fast-paced, um, high-volume environment. Well, Liz, we know um, in just listening to you for the past 30 or 35 minutes that you are a learner. You've apparently made a lot of progress, so congratulations for that. You've helped the hockey maven, Stan Fischler, grow his business to a place probably where it couldn't have gone at this point and for the next 20 to 30 years, and we all think that Stan's going to be around watching hockey for at least that amount of time. I don't know if we will be, but he will be. Um, and it, it's really kind of been a pleasure not only having you in the program, but having you on uh, the, the podcast with us today. Once again, our, our guest was Liz Morovich, who is right now interning and almost full-time interning, I would guess, with the legendary Stan Fischler at the Fischler Report and is a student in our Columbia University program. Liz, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Great. Yeah, oh, thanks very much, Liz. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. And, and we Same. forgot, by the way, before you go, Liz, before you go, one more thing. Liz, more importantly, where can people find you on Twitter and where can they find the Fischler Report? So my Twitter handle is at lovelees, L-O-V-E-L-Triple-E-Z, uh, named Liz Mirovich. You can search it on Twitter. And Stan Fischler is at Stan Fischler. And his last name is spelled S-I-S-C-H. Great. Once again, this was the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk every week about the business of sports. Liz Morovich, thank you very much for joining us. And Tom, once again, another great show, and we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks, Joe. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and my co-host is Joe Favorito. 
our production assistant this week is Columbia student Reese Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, the Columbia University Sports Management Program, by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.